0: Chapter 18 of *The Gloved Hand* by Burton e. Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 18. Building a Theory. I was surprised when I came down for dinner an hour later to find Godfrey awaiting me. I always try to make it Saturday night, he explained. The chief throws the work on the other fellows if he can. "'That's the reason I hustled away after the inquest. "'The story's all in, and now we'll have a good dinner, "'if I do say it myself, and then a good talk. "'I feel the need of a talk, Lester.' "'So do I,' I said, though I'm afraid talking won't help us much. "'The funny thing about this case is,' mused Godfrey, "'that the farther we get into it, the thicker it grows.' "'Yes,' I agreed, and the more one thinks about it, "'the less one understands.' "'Well, suppose we get away from it for a while,' said Godfrey, and turned the talk to other things. No man could talk more delightfully of music, of art, of letters. How he managed it I could never guess. But he seemed to have read everything, to have seen everything, to have heard everything. Marriott, for instance. Who reads Marriott nowadays? And yet he had read The Phantom Ship, and so knew something of Goa. An hour passed very quickly.' but at last he rose and led the way into his study. "'A friend of mine dropped in to see me today at the office,' he remarked. "'A Cuban planter who comes up to New York occasionally, and whom I happened to help out of a rather serious difficulty a few years ago. Perhaps some day I'll tell you about it. He always brings me a bundle of his own special cigars. I didn't see him today, but he left the cigars, and I want you to try one. Perhaps it will give you an inspiration.' He went to his desk, opened a tin-foiled package that lay there, and carefully extracted two long cigars of a rich and glowing brown. Perhaps you've heard of the special cigars that are made for Pierpont Morgan, he went on, as he handed one to me, after carefully replacing the wrappings of the bundle. Well, I smoked one of Morgan's cigars once. It was good, mighty good, but it wasn't in the same class with these. Light up! I did. Never before had I drawn between my lips a breath so satisfying, so rich, so smooth, so full of flavour. I exhaled the fragrant smoke slowly. Godfrey, I said, I never knew what tobacco was before. Are these cigars purchasable? I'm only a poor liar, but even one a month would be a thing to look forward to and dream about. But Godfrey shook his head. I've felt like that, he said, but they're not to be had for money and now about swain let's postpone it a little longer i begged i don't want my mind distracted godfrey laughed but fell silent and for the next half hour no sound was heard now i said at last i'm ready to listen so fire ahead whatever you want to i haven't much to tell he began nothing new about the case but i stopped at the tombs before i started back to make sure that swain had everything he wanted They'd given him an upper cell, and sent over to the Marathon, and got him his things, and I arranged to have his meals sent in to him from Moquin's. I ought to have thought of that, I said contritely. I'm much obliged to you, Godfrey. Did you see him? Only for a minute. He seemed fairly cheerful. He'd had them bring some of his law books to him, and remarked that he'd have plenty of time to study. I like the way he's taking it. He gave me a message for you. What was it? "'But you are not to forget your promise,' I smoked on for a few moments in silence. "'I promised him I'd get Miss Vaughn away from that house,' I said at last. "'I had Mrs. Royce write her a note inviting her to stay with her. "'I gave it to her this afternoon.' "'What did she say?' "'She didn't say anything, but I could see the idea didn't impress her, "'and I had thought all along that she would jump at it godfrey gave a little grunt whether of surprise or satisfaction i could not tell why didn't you put her on the stand to-day lester he asked afraid of upsetting her i wouldn't have stopped for that if her evidence would have helped swain but it would only have put him deeper in the hole in what way well in the first place she says that as she and her father returned to the house she heard footsteps behind them and thought it was swain following them because that would be a natural thing for him to do and in the second place she saw that blood-stained handkerchief on the floor beside her father's chair when she came to the room and found him dead so said godfrey slowly it couldn't have been dropped there by swain when he stooped to pick her up no besides we know perfectly well that it wasn't about his wrist when he came back over the wall goldberger knows it too and will be asked about it next time IT MIGHT HAVE BEEN PUSHED UP HIS SLEEVE, WE WEREN'T ABSOLUTELY CERTAIN, BUT THIS NEW EVIDENCE SETTLES IT. I ASSENTED MISERABLY, AND GODFREY SMOKED ON THOUGHTFULLY, BUT MY CIGAR HAD LOST SOME OF ITS FLAVOR. HOW DID MISS Vaughan COME TO FIND THE BODY? HE ASKED AT LAST, AND I TOLD HIM the STORY AS SHE HAD TOLD IT TO ME. HE THOUGHT IT OVER FOR SOME MOMENTS, THEN HE LEANED FORWARD AND LAID HIS HAND ON MY KNEE. NOW, LESTER, HE SAID, LET'S REVIEW THIS THING it can't be as dark as it seems there's light somewhere here is the case bared of all inessentials swain crosses the wall about eleven o'clock cutting his wrist as he does so miss vaughan meets him about eleven thirty and after a time finds that his wrist is bleeding and ties her handkerchief about it they agree to have her father examined for lunacy arrange a meeting for the next night and are about to separate when her father rushes in upon them "'savagely berates Swain, and takes his daughter away. "'That must have been about twelve o'clock. "'Swain, according to his story, sits there for ten or fifteen minutes, "'finally sees the cobra, or thinks he does, and makes a dash for safety, "'striking his head sharply against a tree. "'He tumbles over the wall in a half-dazed condition. "'The handkerchief is no longer about his wrist. "'That, you will remember, was about twelve twenty almost at once we heard miss vaughn's screams after that swain isn't out of our sight for more than a minute too short a time anyway for anything to have happened we don't know about meanwhile miss vaughn has returned with her father to the house hearing steps behind her and taking it for granted that it is swain following at a distance she goes to her room stays there fifteen minutes or so and comes downstairs again to find her father dead now let us see what had happened You were right in saying that her father must have been strangled immediately after she left him, otherwise he would still have been twitching in such a way that she must have noticed it. No doubt he dropped into the chair exhausted by his fit of rage. The murderer entered through the garden door, stopped to cut off the end of the curtain cord, and made a noose of it. That would have taken at least a minute, and then strangled his victim.' THEN HE HEARD HER COMING DOWN THE STAIRS AND ESCAPED THROUGH THE GARDEN DOOR AGAIN, JUST AS SHE ENTERED AT THE OTHER. SHE SAW THE CURTAIN STILL SHAKING. THEN SHE FAINTED. NOW WHAT ARE THE CLUES TO THE MURDERER? A STRING TIED WITH A PECULIAR Knot, THE BLOOD STAINED handkerchief, AND THE FINGERPRINTS ON THE DEAD MAN'S ROBE. GODFREY PAUSED FOR A MOMENT. FREED OF ITS INESSENTIALS IN THIS WAY, THE CASE WAS BEAUTIFULLY CLEAR AND BEAUTIFULLY baffling. It was a paved way, smooth and wide and without obstruction of any kind, but it ended in a cul-de-sac. One thing is certain, Godfrey went on at last, the murder was committed by somebody, either by Swain or by one of the Hindus or by some unknown. Let us weigh the evidence for and against each of them. Against Swain it may be urged that he was on the ground, that he had time to do it, and some provocation though the provocation as we know it seems to be inadequate provided swain was in his right mind a handkerchief which was tied about his wrist is found beside the body and his finger prints are found upon it miss vaughan believed he was following them he admits that he thought of doing so in his favour it may be urged that a man like swain doesn't commit murder though as a matter of fact this is a dangerous generalization for all sorts of men commit murder, but if he should do so it would be only under great provocation and in the heat of anger, certainly not in cold blood with a noose. And finally, if the motion of the curtain Miss Vaughan noticed was made by the murderer, it couldn't possibly have been Swain, because he was with us at that moment. You will see that there is a mass of evidence against him, and practically the whole defense is that such a crime would be impossible to one of his temperament you know yourself how flimsy such a defence is against the Hindus. on the other hand practically the only basis for suspicion is that such a crime might be temperamentally possible to them they may have been on the ground and the method of the murder savours strongly of the thuggy though don't forget that swain admitted he could have tied that knot besides if it was the thug who followed them he wouldn't have made any noise and most certainly he couldn't have left the prints of swain's fingers on the body but if Swain is right in his assertion that he saw the snake in the arbor, it is probable that the thug wasn't far away. Against an unknown it may be urged that neither Swain nor the Hindus could have committed the crime, but I don't see how an unknown could either, unless he happened to be one of the three or four people in the world with fingerprints like Swain's, and that is too far-fetched to be believable. But this I am sure of, Lester, and Godfrey leaned forward again the murder was committed either by swain or by someone anxious to implicate swain we agreed that it wasn't swain very well then the person who committed the murder made a noise in following miss vaughan and her father so that she should think it was swain who was following them he picked up the blood-stained handkerchief which swain had dropped perhaps when he fled from the arbour and placed it beside the body and in some way inconceivable to me he pressed the prints of swain's fingers on the dead man's robe now to do that he must have known that swain was injured the blood-stained handkerchief would tell him that but he must also have known that it was his right hand that was injured there was no blood on swain's left hand again godfrey paused i was following his reasoning with such absorbed attention that i could feel my brain crinkle with the effort now listen said godfrey and i could have smiled at the uselessness of the admonition as if I were not already listening with all my faculties. There is only one way in which the murderer could have known that it was Swain's right hand, and that was by overhearing the conversation in the arbor. But if he overheard that much, he overheard it all, and he knew therefore what it was Swain proposed to do. He knew that Vaughan's sanity was to be questioned. He knew that he would probably be placed in a sanitarium. He knew that Miss Vaughan would probably marry Swain. Presuming that it was Silva, he knew that, unless something was done to stop it, a very few days would place both Vaughn and his daughter beyond his reach. That is true, I admitted, but Vaughn was beyond his reach a good deal more certainly dead than he would have been in a sanitarium. Besides, it isn't at all certain that he would have been sent to a sanitarium. That's an objection, surely, Godfrey agreed, but I must find out if Vaughn is really beyond his reach dead. I stared at him. You don't mean? I don't know what I mean, Lester. I can feel a sort of dim meaning at the back of my mind, but I can't get it out into the light. Besides, I went on, if the yogi did it, how did he get back into the house before we got there? He peeped in at the door, saw the coast was clear, and went back through the library. Remember, Miss Vaughn was unconscious. That doesn't bother me. And another thing, Lester, how did Miss Vaughn's father come to burst in on her and Swain like that? How did he know they were in the arbor? It was dark, and he couldn't have seen either of them. He might have been walking about the grounds and overheard them. I don't believe it. I believe somebody told him they were there. And only one person could have told him. That is Silva. No, there's only one point I can't get past. That's the fingerprints. And then I remembered. Godfrey, I cried, there's one thing I forgot to tell you. You heard Swain remark that Vaughn was a collector of fingerprints? Yes, and that he had a set of swains yes well when i told miss vaughn about the prints on her father's robe she ran to a bookcase and got out a book it had vaughn's collection in it all bound together but the page on which swains were had been torn out godfrey sat for a moment staring at me spellbound and then he began pacing up and down the study like a tiger in its cage up and down up and down i'm bound to add i went on finally that Hinman suggested a very plausible reason for their disappearance. What was it? He said they were probably destroyed by Vaughan himself because of his dislike for Swain. He said that would be characteristic of Vaughan's form of insanity. Godfrey took another turn up and down. Then he stopped in front of my chair. What did Miss Vaughan think of that explanation? he asked. It didn't seem to impress her, but I don't remember that she made any comment he stood a moment longer staring down at me and i could feel the intense concentration of his mind then he ran his fingers impatiently through his hair i can't get it lester he said i can't get it but i will get it it's there it's there just out of reach he shrugged his shoulders and glanced at his watch i'm getting dippy he added in another tone let's go out and get a breath of air i followed him out into the yard i knew where he was going among the trees and up the ladder silently we took our places on the limb silently we stared out into the darkness and there presently the strange star glowed and burned steel blue and floated slowly down and burst above a white robed figure standing as though carved in marble its arms extended its head thrown back that fellow is certainly an artist godfrey muttered as he led the way back to the house End of chapter 18, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.